I'd heard about prostate cancer. Most men have. I even knew about the heightened risk for black men, which, when adjusted, means that it affects one in three of us. One in three. But this was only meant to happen to old men. Other men. (laughs) That wasn't until it happened to me. I couldn't make these stories up. These are the stories, the good, the bad and the unbelievable about my prostate cancer journey. So strap yourself in and let's go. Episode 2. Measure me. Now I was armed with my blood work papers and I just had to attend the local hospital haematology department and go and get my blood taken. Unless it's A&E or the orthodontics department, you never really can tell what people are in hospital for. Some of the obvious ones, like that little guy over there with a plaster on his foot, somebody else with an eye patch, or another person comes in on crutches. The haematology department is one of those places where you can have fun while you waited because you had to do something to get through the time. You had no idea how long you were going to be there. It was almost a take my day and give me back some hours in change. So the game I devised for myself was to guess the name of the person and why they could possibly be waiting in the haematology department. So that person over there in a two-piece suit, looking really uncomfortable and miserable, was probably wishing that he was senior enough to be getting that booper private health care. Now he would be sitting in a plush reception, waiting only a few minutes before being rushed into state-of-the-art to, to have his blood taken. Oh, would you like a coffee, sir? Or perhaps a glass of champagne? Nope. He was slumming it with the rest of us. Then there's that Essex boy, laughing and joking into his mobile, loud enough that everybody can hear what he's talking about. He's clearly there because he drunk too much and they've discovered something and he's just happily biding his time at the expense of everybody else. Then you have that sweet, innocent-looking, doe-eyed girl, very quiet, sitting in the corner, looking like she's about to burst into tears At any moment, who knows what could be her issue. The fact that the uh, sexual health clinic is next door and is closed could be anyone's guess. You had to make these things up just to bide the time. Haematology is one of those departments that has the self-service ticketing system. The type that you see in supermarkets on their counters. You take a ticket and you wait in line. In this case, you took a ticket and you waited and you waited and you had no idea when you were going to be seen. However, my relationship with these ticket machines has been a bit checkered in the past. More good than bad. Years ago, when I was working for a large supermarket at the head office 
Some Brightspark had changed the software for these ticketing machines. And to test the software, they needed some mug to press this remote control button, which incremented the counter, while simultaneously pulling off a ticket. And they needed this done a thousand times. And it came to our department and it came to the person who was at the bottom of the food chain. That mug would happen to be me, the lowest qualified in the department. So for the next two days, I sat at a table, pulled the ticket, pressed the button to increment the machine. It was a brain-numbingly terrible job to do, but by the second day, I started to think great things. I was coming to the end of it, and by trying to enjoy it, I would actually make the day go a bit quicker, or so I thought. Anyway, eventually I finished, and that was the end of it. A terrible job, which I was glad to see the back of. However, life's never that simple for me, is it? A few days later, they needed it tested again. And this time, it was going to be 2,000 tickets. By now, word had got round the department that I was having to do this job. And as I sat there, I became a source of amusement for those that wanted a laugh and came to see what I was doing. A source of disbelief for others that wondered, was there no other way to do this? And a few that actually felt sorry for me. This took a little bit longer. This took three days. And it was probably one of my lowest moments in that department. In the mornings, I used to drive into work. And I'd struck up a friendship with a girl that was on a placement on a university placement and it was one of these mornings I was whinging and moaning and moaning about this job that I had to do and I said to her you know I wish I'd done what you'd done and got a degree fed up with my moaning and whinging she turned at me and she said why don't you just stop effing moaning and just do it and I went absolutely quiet and she was quiet because she was fed up of listening to me. But it planted a seed. It was April, the day that this happened. And by September, I had enrolled in university. Me, the first in my family to enroll in university. I was so proud. I got into year two because of my experience. So I was able to miss the whole of the first year. However, missing the whole of the first year meant that I didn't know anybody. And I didn't know how to study. Didn't know about uni life. It's fair to say that I struggled. And struggled and struggled. I got 40% on my first few assignments. A 40% is a fail. But 
they give you that mark because they can see that you've tried to do something. And I remember there was days and there was tears that I just thought, what a colossal mistake I'd made. But then two things happened. One was I'd gotten myself an evening cleaning job and a morning cleaning job just to ensure that I could get through uni. And a friend of mine from work, I'd now gone part-time at work, had told me that they were taking bets at work on how long it would take before I came back with my tail between my legs. And not only was that hurtful, it was inspiring in the sense of this is what spurred me on. That and then one day in the library, I was sitting on my own reading a book for an assignment and everybody was in groups and I didn't know anybody so I hadn't joined a group as yet and this lovely woman called Angelique Dennis asked me if I'd like to join her group and I was delighted this was the first friend that I'd made and I I was introduced to all of the other people in the group I suddenly got to know people and make friends and they showed me how to study and they showed me what to study, what I needed to read, how I needed to research, the different people who could help me with different answers, and I flourished. And by the end of the course, I was getting A's and B's. And I graduated with a 2-1, an upper second class degree. Anyway. Let's go back to let's go back to the job in hand. The self-service ticketing system is brilliant. It's very fair. And the only problem is is if you don't realize it's running or you forget to take a ticket. If you hear a loud sigh or a tut followed by a string of expletives, then you can be guaranteed somebody had forgotten to take a ticket. My number, according to the counter, meant that there was 20 or so people in front of me. But since I'd been there, five had gone through, so it didn't seem too bad. So we all sat there in silence, either staring at the machine, staring at each other, or being distracted by our phones or a newspaper. And every time it bleeped, everybody looked up. The only thing missing now was the good old runner. What's a runner, you ask? Well, a runner is one of those people who just can't sit still for five minutes. So they need to go out and have a fag. They need to go out and have a phone call. Or they need to stretch their legs. But what they've done is they've misjudged where they are in the queue. And they've actually missed their place. Lo and behold, within about 15 minutes, we had our first runner. She comes back in apparently breathless and sees that her number is long gone. She's now got three choices. Make a scene, cry, or plead to the next person who goes up in the queue. She decides, 
making a scene is probably the best bet. She starts to whinge. The display isn't big enough. The bleep isn't loud enough. I only went for a quick fag. Something's wrong with the machine. She looks around for support from her fellow patients. And nobody is giving her the time of day. No one's giving her eye contact. Nobody actually cares. This is dog eat dog. I just want my number to come up. She flaps some more because she's not getting the support she wants. She's been waiting a long time. She's in pain. She pays her taxes. She even voted Labour the last time around. She was throwing everything at this. Eventually, one of the nurses, realising that this woman is not going to shut up, decides, okay, we'll just slip her in next. And then... In she walks into the cubicle and the blue curtain slams shut behind her. She might have got a little bit more sympathy had she still not had her electronic cigarette in her hand. But you know what? We're hearing the last of her. Who cares? Eventually it's my turn. The male nurse barely looks up. But I'm in a reasonably good mood because now... I can see that I'll be going home soon. And I give him a cheery hello. I hand over the paperwork from the clinic. He has a quick scan and then gets hold of some bottles. Then he attaches labels to them. He gestures towards my right arm, which I hold out and place on the table for him. He snaps on some new gloves and wraps a rubber restraint around my bicep then he starts tapping away really I wonder if he was practicing Morse code or it was the beginning of a record he'd heard on the radio because he's tapping away But he's not doing anything else. I look at him. He looks at me. I look at him. He looks at me. He taps again. I wondered if haematology is one of those departments that nobody wants to work in. I mean, you're sitting there taking blood all day. Did you really go to college or uni just to do that all day? I mean, what do they say when they get together? In the canteen. Oh, I I bled 300 people today. Oh, that's nothing. I did 500 people before I had a cup of tea. Well, mine had some incurable disease. I had one even better. I had Ebola. Eventually, I got the feeling that I needed to help him out. They normally take blood from my left arm. I smiled. He looked at me. The kind of look as if to say... I went to college, I went to uni, I think I know what I'm doing, but clearly you don't. He then turns around my right arm and starts prodding again. And just before I get the urge to take a Sharpie pen out of my bag and actually draw an arrow where the vein is, he finds it. He slaps on the rubber restraint and finally he begins to draw blood. He fills the bottle without any further word 
and I'm sent on my way. I was told to take about two weeks for the results to come through. So in the middle of the second week, I gave the surgery a call and they hadn't received them. On the last day of the second week, I was just sitting at work. I'd actually forgotten. And I got a text message from a number not in my contact list. Your appointment is booked. Tuesday the 27th of March at 3pm at the Urology Centre, Southwark Wing, Guy's Hospital. View your appointments online. We look forward to seeing you, the urology team. Now, I had no idea what urology meant. I'd never received any uh, text message from urology at all, let alone Guy's Hospital. So I went to that great brain in the sky Google and read the following. Urology health relates to the urogenital system in both men and women. These are the parts responsible for producing, storing and discharging urine, kidney, bladder and urethra, and the parts of the body involved in sexual function, prostate, penis and testicles. Okay. I'm now suitably informed, but I've still got no idea where this has come from. I sat down and I thought, well, the only thing that I've done recently is when I went to the doctor's surgery. So I gave them a call. After a few rings, a bubbly young receptionist answers the call. Hi, I've just received a text message from Guy's Hospital about an appointment which I haven't made. I just wondered if it's something to do with you guys. She asked for my name and date of birth and then asked me to hold the line. A couple of minutes later, she returned. Ah, yes, Mr Ellis, I made that appointment this morning for you, she answered all chirpy. Um, okay, why is that then? I've only been waiting for my blood test results. The doctor's in a meeting at the moment and he's going to give you a call as soon as he finishes. Okay, I left it at that. And I called again about an hour later. He was still in his meeting. I left it two more hours and called again. And he was still in his meeting. The third time I called, a good four hours had passed. Hi, it's me again. I figured that we were on more personal terms because she'd heard so much from me. You know, I'm not normally a nervous person. Not at all. But asking me to wait like this is the equivalent of you saying to me, you know what? Our undertaker just happens to be in your area. Would it be all right if he come and took some measurements? But don't worry. It's just because he's in the area. The phone went quiet. I could almost hear her brain trying to interpret my sarcasm but it went straight over her head she apologized again and told me the doctor knows that i've called knows that i've called numerous times she added and he will be with you as soon as his meeting is finished at this point i'd actually given up and eventually by about four o'clock the doctor finally gave me a call Hi, Mr. Ellis. Sorry for keeping you for so long. 
We've got the results back from your blood test. And then he went into a speech about the PSA and how it's an indicator that shows something is wrong, but not necessarily that it's anything to worry about. He said that if the PSA was under 10, it's considered low risk, but anything over 10, you're considered medium risk, and anything over 20 is considered high risk. He then spoke some more. There would be some further tests, which is what the appointment is for, and try not to worry. And then right at the end, he said to me, do you have any questions? Just the one question I asked, what was my PSA score? He then said, the threshold for my age was 3.5, and my PSA was 8.7. But try not to worry, we're going to do some more tests. Thank you.